humor me for a moment. Do you remember when we met? You told me. Oh, yes, we were in Canada. And I do remember that time. Yes. You were just starting out. We were at a social media camp in Victoria, which is actually coming up in a couple of weeks again this Uh. year when we're actually recording this podcast. And you were sitting at a table with Mari Smith at a awards dinner. And I had nothing to do with social media at the time. I was a TV guy and I was emceeing the awards. And you were the shyest little Uh. person sitting in the corner and you did not want to make eye contact with anybody at the table. I'm sorry to call you out, but you- True. It's so true. I was like, I was frozen. I was so nervous. And I got to tell you, I thought to myself, Mari Smith was sitting with us as well. And Mari is no shy and retiring individual. No. And I thought to myself, one of these two is going to do really well in social media. The other one, hmm. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> but, funny? Yes, I was definitely just, just starting out. And it was really sweet because Mari took me under her wing and she was really, really such a great mentor to me. So I was lucky. That was the voice of Amy Porterfield, who has indeed come a very long way since that rather auspicious dinner. I'm guessing nine years ago, eight or nine years ago is when we actually had that dinner and when where we first met. Now, I have become a big fan of Amy since that point. I actually partnered with her on a couple of different projects. And she has become, in my mind, one of the real authorities on affiliate marketing from a perspective of knowledge products, from selling online courses, affiliating on online courses, and building an affiliate community, both from a perspective of selling her own courses and using affiliates to sell her courses, but also from the perspective of being an affiliate for other people's courses. So today on Gray Matters, Amy and I are going to get into the weeds and discuss affiliate marketing from both sides, both as a partner and partnering with others with your own knowledge product. She has some terrific insight. I think that your time spent to us today is well worthwhile. So let's dive in and have a conversation with Amy Porterfield. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for those of us in the gray zone. What is the gray zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. When did you first start seeing the potential of affiliate marketing? And tell me what the first what your first steps into affiliate marketing were. So my first steps into affiliate marketing were really simple. I found a product that was working for me. I was just getting started building my own business. And as you know, one of the most important things when you start to build a side hustle or your business online in any which way is you got to build an email list. And there's so many things that go with that. But one of the 
first steps you got to do is have a page where people can give you their name and email so you can give them, let's say, a cheat sheet or a checklist. Well, there was one tool, Lead Pages, is what I used back in the day. And Lead Pages was so easy for me to use because I am a non techie kind of girl. So I started to use it for my own business and realized this is a great tool. So it was essentially the first tool that I recommended to my own audience and started to get a cut of the um, money that was coming in. And now that's relationships you started nearly 10 years ago now. Yes. yes. And, and you're still, you still are an affiliate for them, are you I not? am still affiliate. I started to use different tools along the way, but I still tell everybody they are a fantastic tool. And I still, here's the greatest thing. I haven't been actively promoting them just because I've been in partnership with some other tools, but I still make a lot of money every single month from lead pages because when people use software, they tend to stay with it for a really long time. So it's a beautiful affiliate relationship. And you and uh, when we get into the details, kind of into the weeds, obviously your uh, relationship with lead pages is not just a simple bounty, but you make recurring revenue every time that the people maintain their subscription. Exactly. Right? That's why I say it's a really lucrative opportunity. Yeah. So those are, we'll, and we'll talk about that towards the end of the podcast about the things that you look for as you build the relationships. And that's always one thing I look for is not just a single payment, but how to participate long-term with the, with revenue from all these to create evergreen income from them or passive income from them as well. I want to talk about three facets of affiliate marketing. We just talked about your first experience as an affiliate for a consumer product, which was in this case as a software tool. But there's two other aspects that you also have a lot of experience, a lot of success with. One is creating your own digital product and then bringing affiliates on to sell your product, having people selling for you. And then you also do the mirror image of that where you take other people's digital products and represent them and build them out to your community and start and, and, and promote them within your community. Now, which of those did you step into first? Which of those other two facets did you do first? So the first thing I did was promote a product, somebody else's product. And then I promoted somebody else's program. And then I had my own. Okay. So you, and that's, I think a pretty natural path. That's, that's kind of starting to understand all of the mechanisms. Cause when you first did lead pages, you started to understand what affiliate links were and tracking and you started to understand how you can add value. So what was at back at that beginning, what was the first most important lesson that you learned that gave you six, real success? Great question. I think the first thing I learned was if I use the product or really believe in it, or have had my own story about it, it's really easy to talk about it. And so it never felt forced or too salesy or anything like that. I could just say, Hey, this is what I use. It's working really well for me. I'm a non-techie kind of girl. So if I can do it, so can you. So if you're looking for a tool that can collect names and emails, I highly recommend it. It was such a natural conversation. So right away I learned, Oh, if I believe in it and genuinely use it, this is easy. So it came out of your own experience. Were you ever tempted to represent a product that you felt about. Yes, because the money was good. So I've been tempted in the past thinking, oh man, I don't love the tool, but it's okay. But holy cow, I bet a lot of my students would buy that and it would be an easy sell. And then I 
And then that's around the time that I realized I'm only promoting what I use. I only promote what I believe in. And so I, I just wouldn't let myself do it, but it is very tempting. And a lot of, and this is one of the th- areas that almost stopped me from getting into this entire space was uh, the the temptation or the, the number of people who are in content marketing who will sell any product that... Uh, I shouldn't, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh by saying any product, but who don't necessarily have really high standards in choosing the product that they're going to represent or they're going to promote to their community. And, and there are lots promoting this product, promoting that product. And it's just, just turning, turning money and, and just trying to keep and, and it's all about the dollars and not about the, the experience or not about the benefit to your community. It really is. And I think that People are really savvy these days, even more so when I first started. And it's almost like you could see right through it if you pay attention. You know if if they're using it or genuinely feel that way. And usually if someone's promoting tons of stuff, you know it's probably not all the stuff that they're using. So I think the market's gotten savvier, so you have to be careful. I hope you're right. I believe you are right. And and uh, certainly podcasts like yours, podcasts like mine, uh hopefully we edify those this, those that aren't yet that aren't yet on board with that. Okay. So now you've done your first affiliate product as far as a, a physical product launch and now you're starting to look at knowledge products. And these are courses that people develop and different programs that people develop. How did you first get into that and how did you first make your first decisions on who you were going to partner with? So this was a big deal to me. This kind of changed everything. What had happened was I was learning to become a better online marketer and I wanted to grow my business. I had started out in this industry coming from corporate, going into my own thing, and I taught people how to do social media, but I had a service-based business and I really wanted a business where I created digital courses and sold them online. But I didn't know how to grow my email list effectively. I didn't really know how to use video and there's a lot of stuff I needed to learn. So I took a course from someone you and I both know, Marie Forleo. She has this program called B-School. And this is over 10 years ago, or I shouldn't say over 10 years ago. For me, it was probably nine years ago when I, when I got involved and I took this course and it just rocked my world. It was so good and so incredibly helpful. And I started to get results and more results and bigger results for about a year. So the next year that she came out, she only promoted her program once a year. She was taking affiliates, people that would promote it to their own audience. And I had a very small audience, but I thought, well, I like to promote what I've done and the kind of success I have. And I have a great success story about her program. I'm going to do it. And I remember the first time I promoted her program, I want to say it was somewhere between 30, 40 sales but it was a thousand dollars a pop, meaning every program I sold, I made a thousand dollars. Never in my life did I think that was possible. So it was life changing to me. And that was something that I realized, oh, if I, if I can continue to do this, I can continue to build my business. So when you first did it, the first year that you promoted B-School, uh, which is still going on today and still, I mean, it'll, it'll be a thread that will weave through this entire conversation, I'm yeah. sure. What did you do? How did you sell it? it? Like, what was the, what were the, uh, like, what, how did you, did you just present it to your community saying, this has made a difference to me, you should buy this? So what I did is, first of all, I got lucky that I partnered with someone, Marie, who put together 
together really great content that I could promote. So what she did from the get-go is she had what is called a three-part video series. And the fourth video happens to be a sales video. So she teaches and adds value through free videos. And then finally, once you get to the final, final video, she tells you about her program. So she gave us all the tools we needed to tell our audience, if you want to get on this free training, you got to go check it out. Here's where you go. And I got to send them an official or a special affiliate link attached to my name. And so I sent that out to all of my list. I don't remember how many people were on the list, but it wasn't huge. It wasn't hundreds of thousands of people or anything, but I sent it to my list and then I put it on social media and I talked about it. And in the beginning, because I was very new and I had a small audience, I offered to get on the phone with people and say, look, I took the course. And if you're curious to know if you're a good fit, you can call me. We'll set up times to chat. When you're small, you're a little bit more nimble. And so I did that as well. So I I put the link out there about her free video and I talked about it a bunch. I'm pretty sure there's a lesson in here as well, though. The initial, that initial uh, foray into social mar- into into affiliate marketing with Marie's community. Your Marie's community speaks to your community. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap Tons. there, and you were also kind of in on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. The fact that you started out when Marie was just I, I, that had to be within the first two or three years of her yep. developing that program as well. So there was a lot of uh, kind of a perfect storm of things that happened. For You're you there. totally right, and I want to bring up something that you you mentioned there. I, I do believe when you're thinking about affiliate marketing, relationships are everything. So if you get yourself out there, put yourself out there and you, let's say, go to actual events like you and I did where we first met. And if you go to networking events or conferences or whatever it might be, so many people I met along the way became either affiliates of my program or I became affiliates of theirs. So real life interactions could lead to amazing relationships online. I had started a relationship with Marie because she had a mastermind and I paid money to be in the mastermind. So I knew her. She was my mentor. Then she came out with a program. You're right. It was a perfect storm, but I had to put myself out there. And For an introvert, that's saying a lot. So you got to meet the people in real life as well. I think it's helpful. Did you have pause? Did you, did, did you step into the selling somebody else's program for the first time with tremendous confidence or was there a lot of trepidation? I was so much trepidation. I thought everyone's going to think I'm too salesy. How do you do this? What are these weird links? Are they tracking right? Are they really going to give me credit? I was very nervous about the technology around it as well as just how it all worked. And so yeah, everything I do brand new, it makes me all nervous. It all makes me nervous. You And you had no idea what the success rate would be. So you were blown away that first time. Blown away. And you didn't know, obviously, when you started as well with lead pages. Now that you've been doing it for as long as you have, when you evaluate a new program, be it a piece of software that you're going to promote and you're going to bring into, the, into your tribe, into your community, or a new program that you're going to sell for somebody else, do you have a good sense of how well it's going to perform beforehand? That's a great question. If I look at it, yes, but here's how. Only if I can tell my own story or success stories of my students and can really show how it works. I, it's not going to work really well for me if I don't have some something personal to back it up with because there's just not enough substance there. And so yeah, I, I think I can evaluate it based on my own experience. But one thing that I've done over the years is I try to do, I genuinely try to do 
quality over quantity because, and this is probably going to be something we'll talk about. I I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think that when you promote something else, a different software, a product, a service, a program or whatever, you, there's some work you've got to do. You, you can't just send out some links and hope people do it. Like I've done webinars with people. I've done special videos. I show up at their, like Kajabi. Kajabi happens to be um, a, a software I recommend now a lot. And I just spoke for free on their stage. And so because I'm a partner of theirs, I want to get out there. There's some things you got to do if you want to go all in. Maybe back in the early days, it was a little bit easier. There was a little less of a sophisticated environment. But as we move into this day and age today, you do have to build your own programs, I believe, around, which which kind of leads us now into the the, the next phase was you selling your own affiliate product where you developed, you developed your own course and then started to reach out to others. So what was that transition like? So one of the things, I've heard this great piece of advice that if you're promoting something else for somebody else and it's doing really well, you likely should have something similar of your own. Now, I don't believe this is across the board. Like I'm never going to create software. That's not my thing. However, I did B-School and it did so well. And I didn't want to create another B-School program, but I had some stuff to share. I had become a, a Facebook expert teaching Facebook marketing for, for years and years. And so from there, I thought I need a course and I knew my audience responded well to the course for Marie. So I thought I'm going to do my own. And so that's how I, I got into it. And since the day I left Tony Robbins, I knew that I wanted to be creating my own courses. So I thought I've got to start doing this. And so I started creating my own courses and um, getting them out there. And to be quite honest, I didn't do a lot of affiliate marketing for my own courses for many years. And I think the reason why is it is a lot of work to take care of your affiliate. That's what I was wondering. That's I have that written down as a question right here on the book, <laughs> asking about the, how much work it was. Because I've just gone through, in the spirit of full disclosure, I have, I'm have i an affiliate for you. Yes. And I am an affiliate on very few programs, but I, there, was a, there was a real synergy between your programs and what I wanted to teach. And I noticed just, I mean, I, how responsive your team was and how much energy they had to put in. I was just wondering how much more work that was than just putting on your own damn course. It's, it's a lot. And first of all, I'm honored that you were an affiliate. I loved your audience. I loved being a part of that with you. And we got to do webinars together, which is, so I did webinars with my core affiliates, you being one of them. So I did way more webinars than I typically would do. And we had a Facebook group to communicate with our affiliates. I had one person on my team totally dedicated to take care of our affiliates. Then we created content and ads and all this stuff. And the thing is, I am a worrier by nature and I care deeply about my friendships and relationships. So I worried about every single one of my affiliates throughout the entire launch. It's just my personality. And so it wasn't, I, my whole head wasn't in the game in the launch, but also those that were supporting me. And that's okay. We, you guys, as my affiliates, did amazingly well and generated a lot of revenue. So it's all good, but it does add a whole other layer. So I always tell my students who are also creating courses, the first time you launch, maybe no affiliates, maybe the second or third time, but I don't think it's a first phase kind of thing. 
totally my hats off to you guys for doing it because I just can't imagine how much work it was. And, and they were totally responsive. It gave us, it gave at least me, a lot of confidence that I was making a good decision because everything was being well, uh, professionally right. treated every step of the way and all the concerns were being met. So that was, that was a positive because I can't imagine how negative it would have been to drop the ball. And I, I know how I would have felt if I felt your team was dropping the ball, yeah. the fact that I was putting myself out there, I, there's, there's just a, there's a lot of subtle extra pressure that comes as a result. So it, I, I, I'll take a moment here and just explain uh, the course that Amy, that I affiliated, had an affiliate relationship, a partner relationship with Amy with was her digital course Academy, where she was teaching online courses, which is very dovetails really nicely with how I teach about creating online video and how to produce online webinars. And I teach that from a broadcast perspective. So it was some, there was some very nice tangential um, uh, content that I felt I could bring to the table and provide to the community, uh, which worked out very well for both of us, I think, as, as far as that was concerned. Uh, so that was, that's how our relationship kind of evolved here. But now what I wonder is, you've done successful product launches for others, for, for Marie, and you've done your own affiliate program. Have you learned anything from this last time doing your own affiliate program that you were then able to bring to the table the next time you did Marie's course? Because you did it, you just had it, and you had a wildly successful launch with Marie's last B-School. Was any of that coming from the lessons you learned from hosting your own? You know, that's, that's another great question because I do now have the philosophy that when I promote anybody else's program, if I, if, if it's going to be a substantial piece of my business, meaning a few things, now that I've been at it for a while, I can plan for this. I put revenue goals in my yearly planning for promoting other people's programs. Now that's dicey because it's, I'm not in control of all of that. And so because of that, B-School and one other promotion I'm going to do this year, they're literally on the books as a revenue goal that I have. And so because of that, what I learned from my own launch, and this is something I've been kind of developing this thought process over the last few years, is if I'm going to promote someone else's program, I treat it as though it was my own launch. I go all in. What that looks like is that's why I do very few of these because as you know, you promoting my program, you did a lot of work. You created beautiful bonuses. You did webinars with me. You sent out emails. You talked to people. It is a lot of work. And so I do very few because of that. I know you do as well, but also I treat it as though it's my own. I, I put together my own webinars. I write my own emails. I don't just copy everything that Marie's doing for her own launch for mine. I make it very personal personal to what I'm doing. So that was one thing. I realized how I do my launches and have success. I need to translate that over to affiliates as well. I think one of the things that you said, which you said right at the beginning is you invest more than just time in it. You actually in, do your own campaigns. You actually invest money. Yeah, run my own ad. Do you think that made a big difference? Oh, 100%. Yes. The reason why we do so well with B-School is that I create my own bonus page that lives on its own outside of anything Marie does. I hire a video crew to film my sales video. I create tons of Facebook advertising. Like we go all in. And I say for a full month, we're not doing anything else in the business except focusing on this one program. And that makes a huge difference. This is a, this is an important lesson as you start to build out and start to kind of evolve your own business concepts. Remember that's listening right now is the amount in the level of commitment. I think that there's a certain school of thought that affiliate marketing is easy. 
that it's 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 kind of picking up low hanging fruit and just being able to you know benefit from you know just from your general reach and you don't really have to vest yourself in the programs in order to be successful. And I think nothing could be farther from the truth. And what you're telling me absolutely supports that, that concept that you have to treat it as your own. You have to respect the product that's being built and your community and yourself in the process and treat it as, and, and treat it with the, 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 that amount of gravity. And that's the way that, that's the way that, that will create success because each of these programs have many, many affiliates, but only a small percentage of them really succeed. And they, they, I, with your program, did you, did you notice that? Was there a big Delta between the, the people who were not vesting in it and the people that did vest? Very, in it? very, very obvious. Yes. So when the people that were in the top, let's say 10 versus the, that you could tell they sent maybe one or two emails hoping that my webinars would convert for them, but they didn't show up and it was obvious in their numbers. Yeah. So that's the low hanging fruit concept. There we go. So did anybody in your, that, that you noticed either in the Marie last Marie launch or in your own affiliate launch, did anybody blow you away with their creativity and how they did things other than yourselves? Great question. That is such a great question. What one thing that always blows me away is when people really put the time into their bonuses. So this is not just because you and I are talking, but one thing I do want to give you a shout out and this was not planned, but your bonuses were so aligned with not only what you teach, but how they work into my program. So one thing that Steve did that's very unique and not many affiliates did this with me is he got on a phone call and he said, I really want to understand your audience and what you're teaching and how you're teaching it in the program to make sure that my bonuses pick up where you leave off or can enhance what you've taught. That is very rare, but very, very smart. And so it made me want to go above and beyond with Steve because I knew that he was in it. He, he took this serious. And so mm. that for the record, that was really awesome. And, and, and it taught me like, I want to do the same as I move forward and create more bonuses for my affiliate stuff. So that's number one, just to give you a shout out there. Thank you. Um, I really appreciated it. And I think other than that, one of the things um, that I loved watching really during B-School is people were creating uh, videos, telling their stories of how they use the program and what it meant for them in really individual ways. And so this is the first time I saw so much video because as you know, it, video is just getting bigger and bigger. As much as I've tried to resist it for years and years, <laughs> I've like given up the resistance and I just do it. Um, but this year was the first year I saw a lot of use of video and storytelling and um, making the launch very personal to the person promoting it. I think we're going to see more and more of that. It comes down to the stories then. You know, yes. we see the growth of Instagram stories and Facebook stories and how people are getting more and more comfortable just sharing these little narrations that are not designed long tail, but are designed for the, for, to, to move the ball downfield in the, at that moment. And uh, yep. that's probably what you're seeing there. That's, that's fine. Well, you know, it, it, it's, I'll, I'll loop back a little bit to the, to the conversation that we had when I called you guys up after you had accepted me as an affiliate and asked for that meeting so that, so that I could uh, determine the product. And here's, one of the things about another aspect that I kind of think of philosophically about affiliate marketing, which is a little bit different than other types of money waste we make money online. One of the temptations that people, certainly in my space, uh, that are on YouTube or other Instagram creators, other social marketers have, is we look for sponsorship in order to generate revenue 
based on our brand. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at asking brands or companies to pay us to promote their product or to represent the product in some way. And I think that's a very difficult sales process. I just coming from the television industry, I know I sold sponsorship my whole career and it's, it's something that you're constantly having to stay on top of for sales. The very cool thing about affiliate marketing is if you partner with the right product and you create extra value for that product, you're solving the product's problem. You're helping promote their product. And so your attitude towards me, when I learned what you had, I told you what I wanted to, how I wanted to add value for my community within it. All of a sudden, I was solving a problem for you. I was bringing a new community to the, to the table. I was creating a new opportunity for you. And so I became a good partner. It's going to be very easy for me yep. to sell to you next time. That you do the program. Next time I apply to be an affiliate, you're probably going, yes, Steve, you know, I don't have to go through the application form. And if you're solving a brand or a company's problem by generating value for them, that becomes a great relationship that's easy to move forward to. And then we can spend our energy creating great content and serving our community and not selling to somebody in order to make money, selling to the brand as we would be if it was the case of sponsorship. So that's just kind of a philosophically, I, I think affiliate marketing kind of has a little bit of a, Maybe it, it it isn't held up as this shining example of a great way to make a living. It might be seen because of how some practices, un, you know, take advantage. But in a lot of ways, I think it's even more noble and more pure and a better form for a long term relationship for people that are building. I hundred percent believe. I agree with you. One hundred percent. All right. We've had a great conversation about these product launches, but the one thing about selling a product like an online course is it's seasonal. It is not evergreen. There's not passive income attached per se. I think over the long haul, certainly with something like B-School over 10 years, you can consider it to be kind of passive because it's happened year after year. But your relationship with the software tools, the Kajabis and the lead pages of the world are far more evergreen. You try and create a balance in Mm -hmm. your business between those passive revenue streams and the active revenue streams where you have to block off the entire month. Such, such a great point to bring up because yes, I do. And I used to have a business partner, uh, when I, a few, for a few years. And one of the things he taught me more than anything is that you want to partner with different tools, software, whatever it might be, that would be that recurring revenue. And I never took it too seriously until I started to see the lead pages check come in every single month and it was growing. And then even when I wasn't actively promoting it, it was staying steady. And I realized, oh, if you can find software you believe in that once people are in, they're not going to easily just jump out. Like Mm -hmm. I, I still use lead pages today. I have hundreds of different things inside of lead pages. I'm not leaving it. I still pay myself. I pay for lead pages. So it's such a great tool. So yes, I do think you should do a mix of something that would be um, the steady recurring revenue that's coming in, as well as then a few of those prime promotions like we talked about with B-School. Do you block out time? Do you block out time to say this? I'm going to take a couple of weeks now. I'm going to concentrate on providing value into some of these evergreen channels. Yes. And I'm glad you asked that too, because the reason why my check from uh, lead pages is over $20,000 a month. And I don't typically share that publicly, but I'll share it with you because the reason it's like that is not because I just use the tool and tell all my students to use it. And I have a big email list. That's actually not it. 
We've done webinars in the past with lead pages. Mm -hmm. We actually, yes, booked out two weeks of our time to create the webinar, write all the emails, put together a bonus page. We actually went through that cycle with them, did webinars and attracted a lot of people because we told them about it at a whole other level. So, um, I, I don't ever see a big spike in revenue like that unless I go the extra mile. We've been down in the weeds. Thank you so much for how uh, how uh, transparent you've been sharing this stuff with the community. I find it, I'm edified. I'm sure that the rest of the people listening are as well. Good. But now I'm going to ask you to take a step back to, to okay. my community. We've got a bunch of 60-year-olds who are looking at reinventing themselves and they're starting the concept of a side hustle. They're building their first out their first online business. Can you take yourself back to the beginning and say, if I was starting out now, what would are the th- what are the things that I would do that I would put in place to the foundation that I would build my own content marketing and my own content business with? I love that. One thing, if knowing everything I know now, if I were starting over and let's say I were 60 years old and I was starting over, one thing I'd want somebody to tell me, someone that like has been there and has gone through it, is that I work with students that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. I work with people of all ages. And I will tell you, a 30-year-old coming into the scene from corporate is just as confused about the technology as maybe a 40, 50, 60-year-old. So I personally, I know that if you're not raised with the technology, it it's, doesn't come easy. Like my mom is almost 70, and sometimes she says it looks like it's Chinese. Like she, she says, I don't even understand what you're doing there. But I have students that are much younger than her that are coming from corporate like, what's this online marketing technology stuff? This is overwhelming and this is crazy. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think there's this misconception that maybe the older you get, the harder the technology. Not necessarily so. So it's hard for all of us. So if I was just starting out, and for me, the technology was hard just starting out as well, I wish someone would have told me, focus on list building. Focus on growing your email list. Now, what that means is that you can't grow an email list unless you're creating consistent original content. And I think that that's where it all starts. So that means a weekly podcast or a weekly video show or a weekly blog. I would start there and then move into offering some kind of freebie, a really valuable checklist or cheat sheet or free video or whatever it might be in exchange for name and email getting that foundation set up and the technology is confusing to get some of it set up in the beginning. It's a little, it's different because you've never done it before, but that's the stuff. If my students, no matter what age, if they just would work through that and get the foundation that sets you up to learning about your audience, figuring out what they want. And you get so many ideas once you get into it. But that foundation to me is so important for all my students. I, I couldn't agree more. And here's the, here's the other aspect of that. If you, because a lot of times you don't know what the business is going to look like when yes. you start. And, yes. but if you start consistently creating content, you open a line of dialogue and your community starts to get drawn to you and you get feedback from that community, which leads yes. to success. Um, I, I, when I started, I didn't have the slightest, I, I, I knew I just wanted to kind of do YouTube stuff and tell my stories, show people how to use tech on YouTube. I had no idea it was going to lead me into talking to baby boomers about reinventing themselves. No idea until the dialogue started with the community that led me to that point. And once that, once, once that idea popped into my head, it was like I'd taken a, a, a chisel to a block of granite and had one stroke and had the whole statue fall away. All of a sudden there was clarity. 
And that that it's going to take longer for some and shorter for others. But that only comes from dialogue with your community and getting to know them. And by putting yourself out there on a regular basis, you you create that opportunity. A hundred percent. I'm so glad we're on the same page. I totally agree. Amy, this has been awesome. I am so glad that you, that you did this I, uh, from a purely just thank you point of view. From even though you were so shy and so retiring at that very first dinner, I started to listen to your podcast because I was curious at what you sounded like because you wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> but yours was one of the very first podcasts that I listened to as I started this journey, and your advice and your the structure. And the amount of thought that you put into everything you do has been so beneficial to me as I've built up my business that I, I that one of the reasons that we're successful, a big reason that we're successful is because I have listened. Yours is one of the few podcasts that I subscribe to at the beginning that I'm still subscribed to today. Maybe the only one. And I continue to, I don't listen to every episode, but I listen to most episodes and oh my gosh, you just drop you just the the clarity of thought that you put into things has been has been a real blessing to me so i want to thank you and i want to thank you for how transparent you were with our community and everything you shared today well thank you i'm such a fan of yours and i think you have the biggest heart and you're doing such great work and you're patient with everybody and you're teaching the stuff that really matters it makes a difference so i'm a huge fan. And so is everyone on my team. We talk about you with such fondness. So I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to be here. Amy Porterfield. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. There are many places you can follow Amy Porterfield online, certainly dropping by her website or signing up for her podcast, uh, which is online marketing made easy. As I mentioned at the end of the podcast there, it is one that I have listened to since the beginning and I wasn't just, uh, it wasn't idle flattery. It has been one of the most valuable assets uh, and I've learned so much from Amy over the years. So we appreciate her being here and sharing with us. Now we're going to have all of the notes for this episode at our website. So if you visit dottotech.com slash gray17, that's dottotech.com dot com slash gray 17. You can access all of the notes uh, that uh, we covered here uh, during this podcast. And that's also the place uh, for you to make comments. If you have comments you'd like to share with us, suggestions, other guests you'd like to have, we host all of our comments at our blog post on the website. So make your comments. If you found today's podcast valuable, share it with a friend who you think might benefit from gray matters. Till next time, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle.